I was, I'm really excited about today, man. I was looking forward to it, and ever since uh, you poked me about the letters, and I was so grateful I found them. Yeah, no, you fulfilled your promise. A decade later, you fulfilled your promise. Number one, you know, is it okay to doubt God? The meaning of life, Shafiq, is to be in the quest of making meaning of it. Everybody is, is more ignorant than they are knowledgeable. Welcome to another episode of Coffee with Kareem. I am your host, Kareem Sirajuddin, founder of Nude Human Consulting. Today I have a very, very special guest, Shafiq Ziada. Welcome to the show, Shafiq. Thank you very much, Kareem, for having me. So first off, um, before I started Nude, I was working in school systems. I worked at private schools over in Massachusetts, and then uh, in the Bay Area, I worked at a um, public charter school. That's how I know Shafiq. And what linked us back together, Shafiq, I'm going to let you tell the audience. It was February or early 2009, and um, Mr. Karim over here, who was teaching us a, a course, and I don't remember the exact... Um, I don't remember the exact class. It could have been psychology or but he said, look, I have an experiment or an assignment for the class. A, a very interesting one. He said, I want you guys to write a letter to your future selves. We said, what does that mean? He said, look, write a letter today to the future you in 10 years. We were 16, 17 at the time. He said to the 26 year old you write something, talk to them. I said, okay. So we each wrote a letter, folded it up, gave it to uh, Mr. Kareem. And he said, you know, God willing, I'll give this back to you in a decade. Inshallah. And, and, and life went on, right? We graduated and then it kind of, kind of, um, crossed my mind. I said, Hey, that exercise we did with Karim, like many years ago, wonder what happened to that thought, nothing of it. Another year or two. Hey, that exercise we did, it kept kind of lingering in the back of my mind, right? Yeah, yeah, really? yeah, yeah. That's so weird. So anytime we talk about fame days or whatever, anytime I'd see you actively, you know, putting your things up on uh, on social media would kind of trigger it again. So just on and off, on and off, whenever fame was brought up or, you know, Mr. Kareem was brought up, uh, you know, that was one of the many things that uh, I, I kind of associated you with, right? The, that letter that we wrote to ourselves, right. right? That and Virgil's root beer, by the way, he introduced, I remember you introducing <laughs> us to that. And we still drink that stuff, by the way. It's good stuff. I don't know if I don't know if you still drink it, but we still drink that stuff when we have you know gatherings and barbecues. But point is, um, yeah, every single year, every single year, it would just kind of come, you know, come to me, and I would always think about it, think about it, think about it, until this year, it, it came to me, and I was like, you know what? I think it's been a decade. I really think it's been a decade. I knew it was somewhere around like 08, 09, 10, you know, but I was like, I think it's been a decade. Let me reach out to Mr. Karim. Luckily. You know, thank you, Mr. Zuckerberg. We were connected on Facebook. Um, so I literally just poked you on there and pinged you, said, hey, you know, first off, how, how are you? How you doing? And secondly, um, where's our letters? <laughs> <laughs> Where are our letters? Yeah. yeah. And and yeah. at the time, I, um, I, I had just I just recently relocated. This, so this was mm -hmm. we, we just got in touch about a month ago or before Ramadan. Right. Right. So right. I had just relocated in the summer. And, you know, when we're moving, you know, you're always getting rid of stuff and trash and all this. Ah, oh, what do I need? All these papers and loose old job, this, that. So I was so worried that I may have lost it. Or what if I tossed it in the thick of all the stress and moving? Right. Alhamdulillah, you know, I did some digging and I found the letters, ladies and gentlemen. And it was so cool to find them. Even some of the sisters... They like the th I forget which the three, you know, they were always a click hanging out. 
that trio that trio that's right so they i remember they even specifically they did like they they all um perfumed their envelopes with like a perfume that they all liked i guess at the time so I, I remember smelling that when i found it i was like wow it took me back to oh, the classroom wow. i was like this that's smells crazy. like the student you know the students back in those days but right. so subhanallah we found the letters and then i sent them to you shafiq because yeah. i was like you probably you know know where your classes i sent them to you now tell us about when you got those letters and when you opened the letter that was written to you from your past self, right? Yeah. It's, a, it's pretty trippy. Why don't you tell us it is. W- w- how that was, what would that, that was like for you? So, I mean, like you said, it was really trippy, honestly. I mean, the second I opened it and pulled out that letter, I stuffed a few things in there in addition to the letter, uh, just old receipts from places that I used to go to, uh, a little image of this character that I used to kind of, um, you know, portray myself as, um, and immediately just, straight to memory lane like i'm getting flashbacks of 16 year old me like i almost felt like i kind of unlocked that 16 year old me again right i was kind of remembering the way i dressed and the way i talked the way i acted the way i thought the way i you know the people i hung around with uh just the second i opened that letter uh, kind of similar to how when you smelt that perfume you kind of remembered the classroom environment and you know so yeah, it, it was it was crazy. So I pulled this out and I start reading it, and um, I actually documented the entire thing for for my own record. Um, you know, maybe I can share that with you at some point. Um, well, what can you share of it now? Is it a video or you? It's a video. Or? No, I recorded uh, myself on video opening the letter and reading it for the first time, um, and kind of like my reaction to it. Well, I would definitely love to watch that just because I think. I have the right to. You definitely right? do. You and, definitely uh, do. But why don't you tell us more about, you know, wh- so you had these powerful memory associations, mm-hmm. which is, it just so, it shows how striking consciousness is yeah. that all you, if just by looking at a word or smelling something, it can take you back to a time and space that's totally removed from where you are, right? 100%. And then all this stuff just starts coming back. Yeah. And that's interesting because we often be- think we forget a lot of things, but what it is is just not on the surface right. of, of our awareness. But with the right trigger or association or what have you, it can all just come back because it's like in that file cabinet of the soul. Yeah. Yeah. And um, kind of reading the letter and just, I mean, just the the mere action of opening it up definitely brought a lot of that stuff back to the surface. Um, and I'll, I'll, de- I'll definitely share that video with you. I want to edit it a little bit, but I'll share that with you. And, uh, and, and I never, and I never, I never, honestly, I never formally thanked you, honestly. And, and I mean that sincerely. Thank you for one, making us do this exercise and two, actually hanging on to those letters and, and that, you know, that amanda, that responsibility and trust and three, giving them back, giving them back to us really. It means a lot. And to the point where, um, you know, I, I work at a school, I don't teach, but I do have some, you know, after school stuff with the kids, some Sunday school stuff. I'm going to do the same exercise with my kids. Honestly, I think it's, it's worthwhile. And hopefully I have the, the, the courage and strength and, um, just organization, you know, ability to, to, to hang on to them for as long as you didn't give it back to my kids. Inshallah. Um, Actually, I have the letter with me. Well, if you're if you're courageous to share it, I'm, I'm I'm sure everyone would be all ears, man. So this is it right here. I know it's uh, the quality is probably not the best on this webcam, but uh, this is it. Literally, I opened it up and I'm getting a bunch of receipts and random things. And these receipts, receipts, receipts yeah, these are receipts are so faded, but you can still kind of read a little bit of you know uh, what they say. And oh my what? god, it brought back memories like like Wingstop. And I literally remembered the exact day 
the five guys the, in, our, in our class went to this wing stop and ordered a bunch of wings. And, you know, it was just such a good time. And this this receipt triggered that memory right away. So receipts from wing stop receipts wow. from from Target. You can still kind of see that red Target sign on there. You can't read much on it because it's been 10 years. Just little things that I used to purchase, like Gatorade and I don't know what, like different chips that I used to buy and Virgil's root beer. Virgil's there you go. Beer. Random receipts, Walgreens, whatever. And each one has a date on it that you can kind of read. 2008. Most of them date to 2008. So that was the first thing that I kind of uh, looked at and really brought. Yeah. That's smart, man. I, I didn't, wasn't expecting that you would put a bunch of receipts in Yeah, there, you know, I forgot you know, that, that I had done that. Sense. When I first pulled them out, I said, what, what are these? And then I, I realized, I remembered what I did. My thought process was that just I had these receipts, stuff them in there, see what happens. So that was the first thing. The second thing, and this one's a little bit funny. It's very personal to me, but I'm going to share it. I had this character, right, um, that, that I, you know, I would pretend to be, right? So this guy right here. Whoa. You know, the green clown, green exactly. Clown. So this was kind of like my my troublemaker face, right? So it's like there's Shafiq during school hours, and then after school there's the green clown that would do naughty things, right? So I don't know why I put that in there, but I'm glad I did, really. I mean, it re- reminded me of all those, like, you know, funny days and foolish days that we had as kids. And then it's the letter itself. It's just on a standard, you know, wide-ruled paper, uh, double-sided. I wish I had written in pen. I wrote in pencil for whatever reason. So it's a little bit hard to read, but it's still legible. It's not better. It's okay, man. You were in high school. I was not as smart as – actually, but but for a 16-year-old me, I was thinking, you know, very interestingly. Honestly, some of the things I I wrote in here, I was was starting to doubt that I even wrote this thing, you know, uh, myself. I was like, mashallah, I was thinking like that. Um, So rule of thumb, if if you ever do this again with any other group or if I do this with my kids, I'm going to definitely tell them to use pen. That will probably do them Mm – and also to, to keep receipts in case you want to return something 10 years later, right? Because Arab, in the end of the day, we're looking, you know, that's something we would do. That is so funny. I should try, I should try that. So it's dated February 2009. February 2009 is when you made us do this activity. So I start off by saying, here I am at the age of 16, um, not fully comprehending the full meaning of life. It's interesting that I started that way. I just go into like family and friends. What do they all mean? Da, 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 this and that. Are you here for them or are they here for you? Uh, is it a two-way street? People change. People move on. People that are in your life now won't probably be in your life later on. And then I, after that little intro of like what is the whole purpose of life, this and that, I ask myself, hey, 26-year-old, um, hey, 26-year-old Shafiq, I have a few questions for you. So I'm writing different questions that I'm asking myself now 10 years ago. First question is, and subhanAllah, true story. Everything I'm telling you is written on this paper, right? I, I believe but you, man. For, I'm, I'm watching him, by the way, guys. We're on a video, and I can see him reading the letter. Yeah. So, yeah. The first thing I asked, um, well, and over here I say, if if Mr. Kareem actually, you know, sends these back to, sends these back to us in 10 years, <laughs> I wrote that on here because I had some <laughs> doubt. I had some doubt, subhanAllah. I was like, 10 years? I don't know. This guy's going to lose them or something. He's going to leave the country. or he's, I say, if... If Mr. Kareem actually sends these back to us in 10 years, I have some questions for you, uh, 26-year-old Shafiq. First off, we'll, we'll start with the most important. Are you praying five times a day? That's the first question I had for my you know 26-year-old self at 16. The second question is, are you taking good care of your parents? The third question is, are they pleased with you? 
The fourth question is, are you looking out for your brother and sister? I'm, I'm the oldest. I have a younger brother and a younger sister. Me too. Yeah. Um, and then the last or one of the last questions, is, are you still in love with the color green? You know, hence the green clown thing that I had going are on. Are you? I still like the color. I'm not obsessed with it, you know, but uh, I, I like the color green. And um, and then I said, are you still living in the Bay Area? Um, I, I am. Alhamdulillah. And are you still carrying on? It's crazy that I was, think, I was thinking about this at 16. I said, are you, st- are, you, are you still carrying on the God-gifted talent of writing poetry? Mm-hmm. I remember you, you were, yeah, you used to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And I still do from time to time. And I'm glad that um, I kind of documented this, right? Like, say, like reminding myself, I'm reminding myself now that writing poetry was always a part of me, right? At 16 years old, I was writing and thinking, you know, about the future me and whether or not he'll be writing. And then I end it with, you know, I hope that, you know, you're not attached to this dunya as much and you're thinking about your hereafter because that's what's most important. Um, you know, take care. I'll check up on you in another 10 years. Wow. Yep. Trippy, man. It is trippy. It is trippy. And then the way that I ended, I literally said, take care. I'll be checking up on you in another 10 years. So now I have to do another one. Subhanallah. And you have to actually, you know, rate yourself or answer those questions that you asked. And I did on video when I, when I opened it and I recorded myself, I, you know, kind of, I answered every single one and reacted to it. So um yeah yeah and here's the thing don't worry though kareem we're not going to make you hold on to the 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 next set of letters that we're going to (laughs) do you did the first one you khalas you did your part mashallah man subhanallah man that's so i'm still taking that in yeah you know um yeah no i got goosebumps the first time i read it um i was like wow 16 year old shafiq talking to to me like in the present now right it was crazy that i was thinking the way i was thinking um, it's almost, uh, you know, too good to be true. It's hard to believe really at 16 that I was thinking like that, uh, for whatever reason, honestly, I don't know why I, I don't know what was going on in my life at that point that made me think like this. It was a little too serious. Cause I gave some of those letters to my other friends. I'm trying to figure out why, you know, why I was asking such deep questions, you know, at 16. Yeah. Well, it sounds to me like, on um, you know, at least you were taking the assignment seriously. So <laughs> that's good. And two is you're taking yourself seriously. Right. Think. Right. Alhamdulillah, man. Well, I'm, I'm glad it all worked out. And uh, may you take your wisdom and experiences and help the students at the school you're currently in. Ameen. Ameen. Today, we also wanted to unpack a very important topic. So you and myself, we were both born and raised in the United States. Right. Um, our parents are from the Middle East, uh, Arabic-speaking backgrounds Correct. specifically. Correct. And, uh, you know, I, I was born in 81. Mm-hmm. You were born in probably, what, 90, 90-something? 92. Mm. So, you know, not too far apart. But, you know, what's interesting is every generation goes through the same things, mm-hmm maybe a little differently. Right. 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 But, but I, one of the reasons why I was excited to talk to you besides, you know, the nostalgia and connection is to kind of get, you know, a little younger, fresher set of eyes as someone who's, you know, you're 26, you 26. said you're working in a school. Um, so there is, you know, things that I think I could benefit from just mm-hmm. hearing, you know, what you're observing on the ground or what are the challenges. Right. Sure. Um, and then we wanted to get more into that notion of 
identity or healthy Islamic or Muslim identity. And the first way I wanted to kind of get this conversation going, Shafiq, is this. Now that you're 26, Mm -hmm. we're going to go back in time. And I want you to say to the audience and myself, what questions would you ask the 16-year-old Shafiq? Or what would you tell him today about his identity that you wished you knew then? It's interesting that you uh, put me in this position right now. Um, look, you know, I would tell 16-year-old Shafiq that it's it's perfectly okay to be different, right? You're just so different than everyone else around you. And I have we have this joke with, with, um, with my group of friends where it's like when we pick up the phone to call whatever, I mean, call a company or, you know, someone on, you know, Craigslist selling something, we put on our other voice, right? Because we want to just blend in and, you know, just kind of, you know, we want things to go smoothly. So I have, we each have, or not we each, but at least, you know, I have a a Charles Bresner voice. (laughs) No, this is real. This is very real. I believe you. Yeah, this (laughs) is very real. So there's the Shafiq voice, right? Which I use with my family and friends. And then there's the Charles Bresner voice when I'm dealing with the more um, you know, a more in a more professional setting in the outside world, just to be taken a little more seriously. Because who's going to take Shafiq seriously, right? Because they can't even pronounce your name, right? They don't know what the heck it means or where it comes from. But Charles sounds like a, you know, a respectable. Uh, and I put on my mid-aged white man voice, you know, respectable mid-aged white man, and uh, people take you more seriously. So I would tell sixteen-year-old Shafiq, it's okay to be different, right? For the longest time, I thought it was n- not okay or just. You know, it was a setback, right? Because I'm different, but it's just like everyone's different in their own way. Just, just embrace it. Be yourself, and 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 you know, make a name for yourself. You know, for who you are, and it's perfectly fine, right? And it, it's it's easier said than done. And even to this day, I still struggle to a small degree, right? To to a small extent. But at 16, I mean, I was confused, right? You go home, and it's just you know both parents you know speaking arabic my grandparents used to live with us speaking arabic that whole that just the, the environment that cultural environment that we were under was just 100 percent middle eastern muslim household and then the second you step foot outside it's a completely different ball game so you gotta you, it's kind of like you have this like switch inside of you right kind of innately built almost and you have to just switch on and then off and then on and then off and then on and off and, and i hated that for the longest time but now i'm realizing or i've realized that it's probably one of the most beautiful things that I've experienced in my life, right? Having kind of like this dual culture that I've, I've adopted. And um, yeah, 16-year-old Shafiq, like it's perfectly fine. Don't stress too much about it. Just be proud of who you are. And if, you know, if you don't fit into any, any culture that's current, like popular culture that's out there, make one for yourself. There are many others like you and you grow to learn, you know, you go to learn that as you grow. The first thing I wanted to ask you is... Now, from what I know and what I remember mm-hmm. when I was a young man was part, you know, being in school to kind of differentiate yourself and all the social hierarchies of, of a school, we, you know, what makes you different is also what can make you cool. Right. Right. Depending on the context, obviously, sure. you can be different in a bad way. Like sure. you're the you're the weird oddball that no one talks to in the cafeteria. Right. But I mean, like this idea of, you know, everyone wants to be unique and every, but in the end, what we end up doing is just doing what pop culture tells us exactly. what our five best friends do. We all wear Nikes. We all like this music. We all, you know, do the same thing. So 
the uniqueness isn't really there, even though we're, we think we're in pursuit of it. And I'm talking about the adolescent kind of developmental trial here. Right. So on the one hand, it's like you were different, Mm -hmm. but how come that differentiation Mm -hmm. didn't make you that kind of unique and you're doing your own thing and standing out like the good kind of different, Mm -hmm. you know, why do you think that was not necessarily the case for you and, and maybe some other young Muslims as well? Because we were just, we were just young and inexperienced. I mean, when you're you're just young, right? And and you don't. We want validation from the outside, right? And it's like when you're different in your own way, but you see that majority of people are are, are cool in that way. You're gonna just gravitate gravitate towards that. You're gonna just neglect whatever it is that you know that you know differentiates you, and you want to just join the masses because it works, and you see that it works, and you want validation. I think that was the biggest thing in high school. You just want validation from those that are kind of already cool by whose standards? I don't know. Like you said, it's probably pop culture, right? When everyone's doing one thing, I mean, it's just khalas. I mean, that's the stamp of approval and you just want to, you know, be under that umbrella and just follow it. Um, but yeah, that's that's a good question. That's a very good question. And it brings up some more important themes, which is, you know, essentially one of the principles of being human mm-hmm. is that we want to be known yeah. and validated yeah. and discovered and loved mm-hmm. and we want to feel like we matter mm-hmm. right and so when you're and I think i mean it's fascinating that you know allah subhanahu wa ta'ala needs nothing right and yet he still chose to create so that we can know him right right and there's a beautiful tradition in the sunnah um, I don't, I'm not, uh, you know, an expert in how authentic it is, but it's something that, you know, I've heard along the way, but the meaning is beautiful, which is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was a hidden treasure mm-hmm. and he um, wanted to be known. Mm-hmm. So he created, mm-hmm. right? And it's not, he needed to be known. It's he wanted. In other words, part of his mercy and generosity was to share his being or his existence right. with something else right right right. in a sense so and that's also what you notice it's kind of there's so many analogies or uh, lessons there because shafiq if you make tons of money Mm -hmm. got a great job Mm -hmm. but you go home to an empty apartment every day yeah right there's always that part of us that's like yeah i am super successful i am i have accomplished all my personal goals but i have no one to share it with i have no one to come home and look me in the eyes and go you did good kid right right, or i'm proud of you or i love you or for me to do that for someone else right 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 and so i feel like as young people and those of us who are young and struggling with identity and this sense of belonging you know, remember that it's very natural. Yeah. Especially when you are a person like, let's say, from a Muslim background, mm-hmm. where you have a very different community right. uh, definition of, you know, everything for the most part, right? Yeah. Um, and and so when you're young, when you're a child, it's all about mom and dad. Right. Right. You don't know anything else or any better. And when you're a teenager, you start to develop, you know, some logic, some mm-hmm. hair on your chest, mm-hmm. some this and that. And there's all, the, all these other things happening with hormones. You might even be taller than your parents at age 16. Right. right? So now you start to go into, you know, this individuation process mm-hmm. of, all right, how much from my family of beliefs, values, customs do I really take on for myself? And then there's I want to find out who I am. Mm-hmm me in the world and that's why we love spending time with our friends when we're young more than our family even right because with our friends we get to explore and be and expose whatever we want to be 
Right. But let, let me ask you something. I want to just, you know, chime in right here. So, and it's perfectly fine that you start to, you know, slowly gravitate towards more your friends and figuring out who you are on an individual level. But I know people personally that just deviated a little too much and now they're in very bad positions without getting into too much detail. Right. So where, where's that balance or fine line, you know, you know, and parents will always try to like, you know, pull you back in because they worry about you or they, they think you're going to go cuckoo or whatever. And, you know, unfortunately some people do. Yeah. And I, I've had friends that have kind of wanted to be their own, you know, personality and, and be their own individual. And they just kind of just, they were inexperienced. Like I said, they were young and they just kind of went down a path where until now that SF, there's just no, no coming back. Yeah. Well, Allah alam. But yeah, Allah I mean, alam. I mean I, but that's a great question. And I'm glad you're kind of bringing us to, you know, back to the ground. Cause I was just trying to explain the psychological, you know, developmental aspects, like why, right, why right. we do this essentially, right. right? Like why, what is that process all about? Because it's a very common thing that we all go through and, and see over and over right. and over again. Now, when we're going now to explore, right? Mm -hmm. Like everything, Shafiq, you have a, a spectrum. You've got people that over identify with their families and mm -hmm. don't really mm -hmm. kind of step mm -hmm. out of the nest much like that we call them people that are very sheltered or this right. and that right not all the time but there's a higher chance of you being like that right mm -hmm. um and then there's the people that just want to completely rupture from their family right for whatever reasons they have painful or, or not and they really just want to be out there right mm -hmm. and just I'm, I just want to try everything or see or listen or understand mm -hmm. as much as I can, because how will I really know? Right. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's people that I feel are in the middle. Right. You know, they're they they have their roots, they have their values, their groundings, and they may kind of push their boundaries or edges a bit, but they know the path. And that's right. a beautiful thing is like, at least I, when I know what Sirat al-Mustaqim is, even if I'm mm. off the track, at least I know how to get back on the track. Some right. people at that age aren't even sure if Sirat al-Mustaqim is the path for them. Right. And, then, and so there's difficulty now because there's all this external, you know, pressure and social judgment and what will people say and our fan and, and you, you don't, and I bet you there are people they don't voice everything. They really think and believe like, what if I really doubt God, but all my three of my best friends are like gun ho about Islam. So I keep yeah. that close to the chest. Right. right? So everybody's going to have their experience. But I would say to qualify this middle ground is, you know, obviously, if you know you're doing something um, that's harmful for your health and we have mm -hmm. to really think about why Islam tells us not to do things or guides us away from things is because. It's always about protecting yourself from harm mm, and enhancing right. your benefit and your optimization. I know guys, they did too much drinking and drugs. Mm -hmm. They've got DUIs and you name it. And some of them mm. even mess their, you know, brain functioning right. probably for the rest of their lives. Right. right Take right. too much LSD and ecstasy. And now you can't sleep without pharmaceutical drugs or you can't feel happy naturally again or whatever it is. So there are, of course, things that will cause irreversible damage. Right. Right. So we've got to be very uh, cautious about those things. But I think that uh, the best way to maybe understand this is we have to do our parts as parents, as community, as mentors, as big mm -hmm. brothers, little brothers, sisters, you name it, to give the best counsel and advice that we can. But recognize, Shafiq, mm -hmm. recognize that it's inevitable right. that nobody's perfect. 
-hmm. People are going to make mistakes and scratch their, you know, existential uh, elbows and knees from time to time. That's how we also learn deeply, right? I I love this acronym. You can use this. It's not an original, but fail means forever acquiring important lessons. Right. Right. I failed a test. Now I know not to stay up playing video games all night. I messed up that relationship with this woman or this courtship. I know now how I need to be more of a man or more of a woman or whatever, right? Those failures are actually openings and opportunities for enhancement if we pay attention and we're humble. But if we want everything to go our way, we want what we want when we want it, then we become into these impulsive, you know, nefsani, you know, selfish, uh, you know, rebellious type youth that can be very destructive as well. So I don't want to keep going, but I don't know if I added any value to that. No, no, definitely, definitely. And then, uh, okay, I mean, then I have a a follow up question. Right. And if if you can speak to the average um, Muslim parent. Right. And I see this a lot with especially like middle and high school kids. They always have these arguments with their parents about, you know, their parents not letting them do X, Y, Z. And and it, it hurts them like these youth hurt. Right. Why does everyone else get to do X, Y, Z? And I don't to the point where I know a girl who um, maybe 14, 15 years old and uh, she, she wears the hijab. She one day tells her parents, I don't want to wear the hijab anymore. And they they couldn't figure out for the life of them why all of a sudden she's been wearing it for a few years all of a sudden she just you know out of the blue doesn't want to wear it and after some digging and you know counseling and talking to some shiur, talking to some counselors it turns out that her parents would not let her go to the movie theaters and all her friends would go to the theaters every so often and she was not allowed to go with them and that killed her that put her at rock bottom to the point where she associated me being muhajiba and you know my parents being conservative means that I can't have fun with my friends. So if taking it off means I get to go to the movies on a Friday night with my friends, I'm going to take it off, right? So to all the parents, um, and I'm not qualified to tell them anything, right? Maybe you are a little bit more. What would you say to them in terms of just general parenting to, to let these kids find that middle ground where they can explore a little bit but not you know, resent or hate or, or rebel you know, in, in a negative or harmful way? Yeah. Well, look, I grew up with my own religious trauma, and, you know, what I can say from my personal and professional experience is I think the crux of the matter here is our psychology of Islam, right? How do I actually make meaning of it? How do I interpret it? Why do I think that this is somehow being righteous versus not going to the movies or going to the movies, right? And I think that sometimes we contort, distort, conflate you know, what Allah and his messenger, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, um, are probably wanting us to realize versus we're just copying and pasting some Islamic version or, you know, model that we inherited from family, culture, parents, mm-hmm. local mm-hmm. community, my favorite sheikh. And it's like, you're just listening or, or obeying somebody else's uh, interpretation or system, right? Mm-hmm. And again, we're not talking about the things that uh, is maruf in the deen like alcohol is haram right. everywhere it doesn't matter right, what context right. or age or whatever right i'm talking about stuff like this example of going to the movies why is going to the movies an un-islamic thing what is islamic by the way right who's defining that for us because islam ain't a guy that we can call and ask right now right yeah. islam is simply a tradition of teaching that is um dedicated effort of muslim men and women throughout the centuries who have tried to do what interpret and understand and make meaning and operationalize what allah and his messenger brought 
Yes or no? That's essentially Islam, right? So everything we call the Islamic tradition is a human, it's human construction, right? right? Beyond what is obviously what is the Quran and, you know, the authentic Hadith and Hadith Qudsi, you know, now we're now getting into how do I take those principles and knowledge and values and use them to flourish or succeed or build or heal in my world, in my country, because if the Quran is supposed to be for all people in all times, it has to be valued and valuable and interpreted mm-hmm. for every age or else what are we talking about here? Right. So, so right. that's one. The Quran is alive. It's not static. It's kalam Allah. Is Allah's speech one, you know, one meaning? Not, no. There's, that's the miracle of the Quran is it's always going to have meaning and significance right. for people right. in every age, even if the verses were ahistorical. So bringing it back to parents is, I think that our, um, if we have unhealthy or imbalanced uh, beliefs or constructs about the religion, and that mm-hmm. impacts our moods, our behaviors, what we do and what we don't do, then we may actually cause what religious trauma, right? Like this, this, this young woman. It's like a, it's like she's now associated and resentful of of Islam because in the name of Islam, she's not allowed to be a person, essentially, right? right? Yeah. Or, Chala. or at least she's not allowed to, you know. Uh, live in a balanced and, and normal way. And again, she's not asking to um, go in a limo and the prom and drink beer with her buddies. She's like, I just want right. to go to the movies with my friends and it's even going to, you know, it's not even going to be, uh, you know, it'll be a movie that's appropriate, et cetera. So why yeah. is that an issue? I can't answer for, you know, any set of specific parents, but I think that often we fear what we can't control. And anytime you let your child out the door, mm-hmm. right, that's a huge sacrifice in letting go of parents. Now, depending on the parental personality, they may be very anxious or insecure or had their own trauma, right? Right. Like our parents who came here before we were born, who knows what they saw and how they were treated by people. Maybe that's still sitting with them 20 years later. So they're freaked out about their Muslim kids being in certain places at certain times of day. So I think that just to kind of close is overprotectiveness Mm -hmm. can actually uh, damage somebody. Just yeah. like being too loose can also damage somebody. I would say we have to really ask ourselves, is this really what Allah and his messenger would want me to do or not do? Mm-hmm. Or would they recommend it or be happy about it? And we really have to ask ourselves, what's the reasons mm-hmm. why I don't do something uh, or not do something besides the things that are clearly uh, identified in the sun, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, should I go to the movie? Should I have a long beard or not? Um, am I allowed, you know, should I, is it okay for me to, you know, be here and there? And of course, Sharia and Fiqh does give us some parameters and hudud. Right. So obviously right. you want to hang out with some of these guys, they're decent guys, but they're going to be watching the game at a pub. Now mm-hmm. you have a moral tension. Do I hang right. out with my friends who I really like, or do I put myself in an environment that Allah said you shouldn't? Now you're choosing between right. what you value and what Allah values for you. Now, not everybody can value what God wants for you right away. And that's why sometimes we've got to make those mistakes or step into these spaces, walk away being like, that was one of the worst nights of my life. Or seeing all these people made me realize I don't want to be in this environment. And you come to that truth and meaning on your own. Yeah, I think that's very important for everybody to remember, no matter what the age is. You can't be Muslim by chance. you got to be Muslim by choice. And you become right. Muslim by choice by feeling like you have choices, right? That you have a voice. That doesn't mean you you have uh, your parents aren't allowed to tell you what to do or give you advice. No, they have to. But 
your parents are human and they're not always right or accurate, right? right? They might have their own, you know, fear or anxiety or baggage. So choices helps the person develop confidence, right. a sense of self, a sense of intimacy with Allah, right? Yeah. Like we should yeah. know that I'm not going to the movies and smoking behind it because my mm -hmm. mom will catch me, but because I got to get to a place where even if my mom doesn't know, mm -hmm. do I really accept or believe or trust that Allah is with me or not? Right. Because if he is, then it's going to, you know, alter or modify some of my behaviors, right? At least. So choices and having a voice participating in our own lives. And there's a give and take between family members rather than, we, we tell you what to do. You're always being told. And if you don't do, you're guilted. That doesn't develop a sense of strong identity, confidence, or assurance of your thoughts. And guess what? That person's going to have a lot more difficulty in their future job, marriages, mm -hmm. families. Mm -hmm. And I see mm -hmm. it all the time, mm -hmm. right? People that incapable mm -hmm. of finding their full selves. And then they might end up just becoming narcissists or uh, mm. liars because they're always trying to preserve this image Right, for right, right. The family or the people. So I'll stop there and forgive me for talking. And, and I've seen time. that. Yeah. No, I mean that's great because now I actually have a question on for for you on behalf of many teenagers between the ages of let's say thirteen and maybe sixteen, seventeen. Number one, you know, is it okay to doubt God? You know, is it okay to doubt God? And if if I am doubting God, I mean, what's my next step? And and I see that a lot. I mean, I see honestly, I see that a lot, right? It's not that they don't necessarily believe; they do, but there's that element of doubt that comes from time to time. And and you know, they bring stuff up like this to me all the time. And 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 I tell them, I said, look, I'm just someone to talk to. I'm a safe space that you can come to and, and you know just vent. I don't have answers. I really don't. I can give you personal experiences that you know will relate, but I can't give you an answer or answers. So um because I'm not qualified to, right? And it's situational from each person for each person. So on on behalf of, you know, a, a good amount of these kids, what are they I mean, what are what what do they do next when they're having these these thoughts of doubt? What do they do next? And is it, and is it okay to have these thoughts? Look, in my opinion, I think that doubts can lead to certainty. Mm. Okay? Because wow. even the shahada, akhi, it starts with la ilaha. You have to negate and doubt. Right, right. No doubt, man. There is only Allah. Therefore, nothing else is an actual God. Right. Whether it's yourself, money, statues, or whatever, right? So that's not necessarily the issue. The the I think that if you have doubts the best thing to do is to acknowledge and accept them mm -hmm. rather than try to ignore them or now feel guilty or angry at yourself that you think these things because sometimes it's your soul's own way of unraveling what it already knows but what you don't right. know. Right, right, right. That's right, why right. I, my ego has this tension because it's like, I don't get it, right? But there's something in me that knows Allah does exist, but there's a lot of things that confuses me. And right. I don't know how to quite make meaning of it. And that's okay because everybody is 
is more ignorant than they are knowledgeable, by the way. Right, right. right. Everybody. You, you only know 0. 0.0000, you know, 1% of your own specialty, let alone everything that's out there. Right, right. right. So we've got to humble ourselves and recognize that not having all the answers isn't the point, but having the right questions and a sincere, humble heart and approach mm -hmm. is what mm -hmm. will make you wise. So people mm -hmm. that doubt, you know, God or have gone through difficult experiences or they don't understand things, it's usually because they don't have a healthy um, meaning that mm -hmm. is co that connects the intellect with the spirit or the mind with the heart. In other words, Usually from my experiences, when I hear responses, let's say about Islamic questions, there's the answers that make me feel whole, Shafiq. Right. And then there's the answers that make me kind of sometimes even cringe or go, well, that was dry or that was completely irrelevant considering where we're at right now. Like someone's just quoting, you know, copy and paste of some imam that said something about the same thing in 1100 AD in Syria. It's like, thank you. That's really nice to know. But what about me? I'm in high school today yeah, yeah right this girl is doing this and this guy is uh, i'm about to get into a fight what do i do yeah right don't tell me what this guy said 1100 years ago because he didn't live here and i didn't right. live there right right so we have to understand that um mean making meaning mm -hmm. is in my humble opinion one of the it's the core of the purpose of life the meaning of life shafiq is to be in the quest of making meaning of it right and of course alhamdulillah we have a very strong start with the divine communications from Allah. Right. Right? We have revelation and, you know, these divine text messages that came, you know. Um, mm. And so this is going to give us now a proper foundation for our worldview and to navigate mm. things. Like, why is there evil? Why is life sometimes hard? How come people let you down? How come things don't always go according to plan? Allah tells us all of that stuff. Right. right, And if we understand who Allah is in his names and attributes, we understand how creation itself works, right? Mm -hmm. Like getting closer to God doesn't mean you go study more Islamic courses. It could be when you study physics or cosmology or art or poetry. These right. isn't everything a manifestation of Allah's attributes. The answer is yes. Yeah. Nothing mm -hmm. we do is separate or out of Allah's power or control. Or he's like, oh, I didn't know you were going to do that. That's amazing. That's new to me. Of course not. Yeah. Allah's knowledge is absolute. He knows everything at once. There's no time and waiting and watching. and all. It's all known. So everything, every person that exists, Allah chose that person to be here. And everything we, that exists, whether good, evil, beautiful, ugly, Allah allows yeah. those things to manifest because through His will, mm -hmm. He allows you and me to have will and choose. And we can say, hey God, thanks for the great life. But I'm going to completely ignore you or I'm going to completely not only ignore you, but I'm going to be one of those people who goes against right. you and your deen. Right. And then there's the people that they just have no idea. They're ignorant. They don't think about it or they're, you know, there's that tension of I don't know or, you know, this or that. So I think that finding people to talk to about safe space, like you said, and if you're doing that for the kids, that's great. And helping people try to find meaning and, you know, uh, because without meaning, we're always going to feel in the dark and confused. Yeah, yeah. I want to. I want to rewind just a little bit. You you said something, um, and I don't want to butcher it, but you said something along the lines of the, like the purpose or meaning of life is to make meaning out of life, right? Is that what you said? Hmm. Uh, I want to. I want to hang on to that phrase for a second. And it's interesting now that I'm kind of thinking, when you were teaching at Fame or, or working at Fame, you were right around my age. 
right? That's uh, yeah, because I'm 37. 37. Yeah, 10 I'll years ago, 10, 11 years ago, you were, you know, 26 or so. Wow. So, that's funny. so, and when you said that phrase, it's kind of, I'm working at a school right now, right? You right. know, I, I do a little bit, a little bit of uh, subbing here and there as needed for certain specific topics, but I, I work in an office, you know, a little bit of administrative work as well. And I'm kind of thinking about that phrase that you said, like the purpose or meaning of life is to, you know, make purpose out of it. And I'm almost there, right? At 26 years old, I feel like I'm almost at that point where I am making purpose out of it. And I want to just, I want you to take us back to Kareem's shoes in 09, 08, whatever. Where were you um, in life and making a purpose out of it all at 26 years old working at fame? And I want to compare it with myself <sighs> and kind of just uh, juxtapose here a little bit. Break that down a bit more because I it seems please. like it clings for you nice. Like yeah, please the, do. You know, one of the meanings of life is that you have to make meaning of it. In other words, sometimes Shafiq, we go to people mm -hmm. to give us our answers. Right. Right. You tell me what to do. Right. Oh, what does what does Islam say? Again, it's like we personify it. Just go look it up. Okay, it says don't do it. So now I don't have to think. Right. That's not the point, right? That's not. It's not supposed to work just that way. Because again, you never develop what creativity, intellect, assurance of your own thoughts. It's always about. Well, I know. I have, like I know people. He's like, no, no, no. I have to ask the the sheikh or the imam. It's like, okay, no problem. But am, am I? Is what I'm saying actually making sense to you? Right. Does it actually seem valuable and useful for your situation or not? It's like, yeah, but I, I have to somehow you know, get a clearance. It's like, but he yeah. doesn't understand everything you just told me for the last three hours. Right. Right. He doesn't know all those layers. So his answer is going to be more generic sometimes. Right. Right. right, not, right. I'm, I'm not, and, and not all imams are, are like that or every relationship's like that. I'm just giving this as an example. So sure. making meaning for yourself, Shafiq, is about, like you're saying, finding not only validation from the outside, but inner validation. Mm. Right. I'm connecting the dots for myself. I am finding things significant and sacred and special on my own terms like poetry how many people are like dude you want to go listen to poetry on friday everyone's like heck no dude i'm rolling my eyes but you're the type of guy who that would make your heart dance because right. it's significant and meaningful to you you see what i'm saying right so poetry has a very powerful life force and pulse right that it doesn't necessarily for you know john and mary over here Right. So this is an example of when we make meaning of something or make meaning for ourselves, we develop a sacred or um, a special connection, relationship, mm -hmm. value to mm -hmm. that thing or idea. Now, as Muslims, meaning is is given in two types. Prescriptive meaning, which is given to us by Allah and his messenger. OK. Right. In other words, here is the story. Right. Right. Here is what this is all about, guys. You're going to be born. You're Ben Admin. Here's the story, right? Adam, Iblis, there's an Akhirah. This life is temporary. You have a soul in you. You're going to deal with all, you know, these different things. And this test is about, this life exam is about um, refining your spiritual essence to find God. Okay. Right. I mean, that's, it's about knowing Allah, right? It's not about performing mechanical Sharia rules. That's just part of it. You need right. structure, but it's not just about that. And we often stop at prescription. Mm. Oh, alhamdulillah. Yo, I, I memorized Quran. 
Um, you know, me and my friends all believe the same things. We act a certain way. We do this, we do that. And it's like, we're all coming out of some Islamic conveyor belt, Muslim <laughs> conveyor belt, where we're yeah. all supposed to walk and think and act the same. That's why some Muslims, they can't actually, they get angry uh-huh. when you're like, um, actually, I don't think that's a proper understanding of that point or ayah that you're referring to. And uh-huh. they're like, what do you mean? You know, they get freaked out. It's like, dude, relax. You know, it's just like you don't have to feel so offended unless you have no internal fortitude and inner validation yeah. of yourself. Right. Yeah. It's like, why can't you trust with your, your own heart and, yeah. and mind? Right. Yeah. To to take it where it's supposed to go, because remember, you have ruh and ruh is something very special that's in you that Allah put in you. So it can always be that bad or horrible or backwards. Sometimes you're actually going somewhere important with those thoughts or don't or those doubts right i'm sorry i feel like i feel like i was just having this conversation with someone else it's like what does it mean when you say follow your gut i feel like it's that little bit of ruh that's inside of you right because you're not literally following your physical gut right and again i side note but i feel like i just made a connection right now right because you said you have ruh inside of you and it's like is that maybe that's what we're referring to when you're saying i have this gut feeling right or am i completely off in islam islamic psychology the heart is an organ of perception as well. You know, because we grew up in the West, you know, post-Renaissance enlightenment, you remember history, humanities we did, right? Yeah, yeah. of course, all of it, every single class, Cody. The word mind today, Shafiq, sit is just the modern term for soul, Mm. by the way. This is actually documented. You can see this in Western historical uh, evolution, right? Now, so when we say mind, we're just talking about what? Uh, My essence, me, me i am me i'm in here i talk to myself right my thoughts are simply the speech that my soul has with itself right so a beautiful way that's it's been said is we're we're not human beings having a spiritual experience in this world shafiq no we're spiritual beings having a human experience that's so interesting and here's the proof doesn't allah subhanahu wa ta'ala create us before we came into the body the physical body yes we existed yeah. as in, in the realm that we did, and we all testified to Allah right. uh, before we got here. Aren't right. we all going to exist and continue when you die? Basically, Sorry. Shafiq, you leave, but your body stays. That's death. Right. You continue on in your awareness. It's just a different form. Yeah. You're just not now welded to this body, which is where we get the ego, right? So bringing it back to identity is the egoic identity is how I see myself as attached to the body. Right. And why is it, why is it, and I don't know if you know the answer to this, but why is it that we don't recall that, that moment where we testified uh, to Allah, you know, why doesn't the nafs or the ruh or whatever, remember that it did that, right? Because I don't remember that. I, 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 asked, I asked Dr. Muhammad Ghilan the same question when I interviewed him. His response to that question was, no, it's, it's like it's like dhikr of Allah, right? Like, why does Allah say, uthkuru rabbuk, right? Do dhikr, salat, this and that. It's all about remembrance and recalling. And Shafiq, you don't remember and recall something that you never knew. Mm. That's called learning something new. Right. So why does Allah use that word? Because... Uh. It is imprinted in us. Uh-huh. That's why you and I have had those moments where it's clear as day that, yeah. dude, Allah's real. Like a few syn- synchronicities happen. You're like, dude, there's a God out there. I mean, I've heard, I've heard even non-Muslim friends be like, dude, there's definitely something out there, man. Because there's no, this is not a coincidence. This is not statistics, right. statistical chance or whatever, right? There's something managing all this, Yeah. right? Yeah. So it's known in us. It's just that it's not always triggered or brought out. Right. Or nourished. More right. importantly, it's like saying 
every person is stupid. No, they're not. It's just that if they don't have a good education or good support system, you're not nourishing their, their inherent intelligence. And then they end up working in, you know, whatever. And they're like, yeah, I was, I'm, I've always been dumb. It's like, no, you're smart. You have the capacity. I've never known myself to be smart. So how can I even accept that that's the mm -hmm. case? But then if you remind them or nourish them and bring that back, they're going to be like, oh, my God, I can't believe I, I have this in me. This yeah. is who I am. And perhaps this is why, Shafiq, many people who, you know, may go off the path and come back to the deen or they, they're converting to Islam or what have you, there's this kind of description of feeling like they're coming home again i've heard people say this all right, the time right, like, right. i feel home again i feel it's like familiar i feel like i, I i'm back with a lost friend that i've always known and that's the fitra and that's that primordial pledge that we all made and so dhikr like you read your letter mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you how did all that stuff come back to you because it's something you already knew and experienced yeah, directly yeah it was just a long time ago right but, dude, just that letter brought you back 10 years with vivid details, yeah. yes or no? Very true, yes, yes. Going back so to the two meanings, you said one was prescriptive, right? God said this, 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 and that. What's the second one? You never uh, dove into that. So the second one is descriptive with a D. Descriptive. So prescriptive is Allah saying, here is the meaning, the grand meaning and purpose of life for all you human beings. Okay. Regardless of everything gender race height weight what time or age you're born in this is your purpose this is the prescriptive meaning descriptive meaning is now i need to take that and cultivate my own manifestation of fulfilling that relationship and pledge to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so in other words he gave me this gift of consciousness and existence and that's why deen or islam it's called deen because it's connected to the word for dain, like you have a debt. Ah. Basically, Allah loaned you or gave this gift to you, and this is our, it, we're indebted now to God. Because God said, where were you 50 or 100 years ago? Right. Right? I mean, if he didn't create my ruh and your ruh in the unseen, there would be zero existence. So now you and I are here talking and thinking and feeling and wanting and not, that in and of itself is the most priceless gift, the gift of life. Hence why the nafs is so precious, etc. Right. So descriptive meaning is about, all right, how do I become the best version, uh, be the best Muslim that I can, be the best man or woman or whatever I can, and harnessing Islam as my toolkit and instrument to do that. Right. Right, Because that is going to bring out the best in you, according to the creator and the designer. Follow this manual. Mm -hmm. Optimal performance, read the manual of the car. Mm -hmm. Not read another car's or a motorcycle's manual. You're a knucklehead. No, you read the manual <laughs> of the car. You want to know how to save gas and do this and yeah. do that right? You got to know who designed it and follow that. Right. So the descriptive meaning is, all right, let me, I bought my new car. I got the manual. I'm going through it and I'm learning. But now I drive with my style. Yeah. Right. I got my, you know, my car hangers. I got my scent. I, you know, I like the leather seats versus this. I got a white dashboard. I got these type of speakers. I got these rims. Now it's what me making it personalized. Right. But I'm not changing the fundamental properties of what it means to have a license, follow the law and drive a car. That's a slip. Yeah. But so many people, I feel like look over at your, your car and the way you're driving it and just start judging left and right. Right. And it kind of, uh, kind of sucks. Because you're no, seriously, it kind of sucks because they're now forcing their interpretation of what the vehicle should look like. And they're just like, yeah, your vehicle is not right. Right. And um, yeah, I mean, that's that's something that, I, that I've just 
been able to slowly like not let bother me like other people's judgment and because th- I realized you're not going to make everyone happy. This person is going to tell you this. This person is going to tell you that This by the end of the day. And then you're going to lose complete, you know, uh, focus with and, and touch with who you are. Right. And your descriptive, you know, meaning and understanding of all this. I, I had two questions, if you don't mind, Fr- from an Islamic perspective. And, and I, I, I don't know if you know the answer to this, but w- what does it mean or why do we have moments of deja vu? Huh. I want your take on that. I thought about that too. And again, this is just, you know, brother Kareem's response guys, you know, sure. don't, uh, you know, put it in the books or anything like that. But you, you know, the way I see it is like this. If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is al-hayul qayyum, mm-hmm. he is born, uh, never born and never dies. He mm-hmm. eternally exists. Okay. And God's knowledge is absolute and perfect, which means he knows all things at once. Again, nothing new is going to happen outside of Allah's knowledge. It's only pertaining to our perspective. There's no time and space with God. That's a created thing, right? So if all that's true, when I make deep dua or I'm really close to God in my relationship with him, right? Or salah or these times when, you know, we've all felt those kind of epiphanies or insights or... For some reason, like, I know people like, dude, you just see a sister, you know, at a masjid and you're like, I don't know what it is, man, but something tells me I'm going to marry that woman. And you're not even like, let's say really, let's say like, oh my God, look at how beautiful, you know, you're not even, you know, drawn by her. It's just, you see her and there's this voice that goes, that's your future wife, for instance, right? And then subhanAllah, you know, the conditions line up and two years later, you met past with that person and you ended up getting married. And so... There's like these types of things. Like, I feel like I've been here before, deja vu, this happened before. Or you pick up on these powerful intuitions mm-hmm. or uh, epiphanies or even visions, right? Right. And this is accessible. And I think the way I've kind of made meaning of that mm-hmm. is that if Allah is eternal, has absolute knowledge, you and I are the opposite of those things, mm-hmm. but our relationship allows us to connect to God mm-hmm. and we tap into God there's now a co-participation and even, you know, spiritual union with mm. the presence of Allah. Hence why Allah says, Uthkuruni mm. Right? Remember me and I'll remember, remember you. That's you. basically God yeah. saying, if, you're, if I'm on your mind, you're going to be on my mind. Right. That's right. what Allah's telling us. Right. Right? Allah says, I know what you whisper to yourself. Call upon right. me, I'll answer, etc., etc., etc. So there's a lot of intimacy and personalization that we need to have with Allah. So when we start doing that, Shafiq, yeah. some of Allah's, you know, barakah, you know, that He blesses us with, rubs off on us or, or gets sent down. Yeah. So you're able now to have visions, have mm. these deja vus, or what I like to call, you're, tap, you're experiencing the vibrations or the echoes of eternal knowledge. Mm, right? So because think about it, everything's already known to God. Right. It's just not known to you and me. Right. But if I step into a room and it's like super deja vu, or I have one of these vivid visions that come true, that's Allah also, in my opinion, showing us proof that I exist. Boom, your, there it is. Your, yeah, you know, your ruh is a powerful thing. Yeah. And yeah. imagine how many resources, superpowers even, you yeah. know, to a degree, you can get from that relationship with me. What are you waiting for? You're going to tap into textures of reality that are beyond the concrete, in-your-face, surface-level understanding of, you know, the world, which is what isn't, you know, that's a very, you know, one-dimensional thing. So you start to get through that. So maybe that's how I see it as that eternal echoes. Yeah. Or these eternal, you know, eternality is 
kind of burning through the veils of mm-hmm. this time space dunya world. Yeah. And then you and I get a glimpse of that for a moment. Yeah. And then it re- and then it re-triggers the fact that we know we're also everlasting. And, and this is my last point because it's it's trippy too. Yeah. Allah's eternal, which means no beginning, no end. Right. You and I are considered what they would call everlasting, which means we had a beginning, but it's not going to stop after this. Right. 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 But here's here's the other nuance that you know, people don't usually think about when you, when you take it a step further, you also are eternal. How? I'll give you a hint. It's connected to Allah's knowledge. I mean, God knew he was going to create you. You were always in the knowledge of God, right? It's irrelevant when you were born. Allah, there was no day one with God or, you know, in the past with God. The point here is that it's all absolute knowledge at once. So you and me, Subhanallah, even before he created that is our trippy. Ruh. You're right. I'm starting to like get brain farts of, because how trippy it is. Like I'm hitting that point where my processor is like about to shut down because you can't really fathom, you know, all short this circuitry. Going. Exactly. Exactly. But that is trippy. So Subhanallah. Subhanallah. Um, That's and, and you've I, always been in Allah's knowledge. Yeah. And I think you, uh, you, you, you know, you kind of nailed it on its head when you said um, it's another way of God showing you proof of yo, like I'm here, right? I'm giving you a glimpse of of of, of that. Um, and, uh, yeah, yeah, that's crazy. It's like you created the mountains, you created this, you create outer space. He tells you to think and he tells you this, but then he gives you these little moments, little dog, little bones from heaven sometimes to chew on, you know? Exactly. 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 Right. And so descriptive meaning kind of linking it to the parents again is it's not about making sure your kids or yourselves or everybody around you acts, thinks, and looks the same. Mm-hmm. Right, some Islamic cookie cutter, you know, manufactured branding that you're trying to slap on everybody, or, right? You know, but it's that if Allah chose to create me and you and everybody, and we're all different for God's sake, down to our fingerprints, you know, right, everyone, right, right. Reads, everyone knows this, and you're, there's never going to be the exact copy of you ever again, right? That means that there's a reason why we're all so different. Mm-hmm. Why did Allah do that? Because we have different powers and gifts right. and struggles right. and provisions and circumstances that we're supposed to play out and everybody in this hierarchy of being mm-hmm. actually has a role or a purpose or meaning mm-hmm. in the spectrum of things. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Everybody has to exist for the reasons that they exist. So when we stunt that by saying, no, you can't be, you know, into poetry or you can't go study what you want to study. You have to study what I tell you, you have to study. Yeah. Then the person never really gets to develop a sense of their own, again, connection and bonding and belonging to mm-hmm. themselves, Allah, and the world. Mm-hmm. Because their whole life is about react, reacting and fulfilling other people's commands and expectations and demands, whether it's religious or otherwise, right? Yeah. So then that leaves me empty. There's yeah. no center that actually holds me. What do I do when my parents are gone or when I go off to college or when I am out by myself for the weekend or seven hours, right? If I have nothing really there, in myself and with my own Lord, then those are the times you got to worry more. Yeah. Right. It's not, Oh, we're so strict and our kids. Are, yeah. Well now your kid doesn't know how to problem solve. They got no street smarts. They don't understand when there's right. danger, when someone's telling them to get in the car and when they shouldn't, because they're so naive and sheltered that you're actually harming them more. For instance, right. right. right? Not right. all the time, but sometimes.
So Hiba and I, you know, my wife and I were talking the other day and we're just kind of planning ahead, right? I mean, oh, we want to buy a, a house at some point. We want to do this at some point, you know, just whatever, you know, planning ahead. And and we got to, we we really went ahead and we got to, you know, our kids down the line, inshallah, if God blesses us with kids. She was saying that, oh, our kids have to go to college. I said, well, I think education is very important. We both went to college and, but I don't think our kids have to, right? That keyword have to go to college. And we completely, you know, differed uh, there in, in, you know, in, um, in our thought process. She says, no, they have to. I'm saying, no, I mean, if they want to, great. And I encourage them to, but they don't have to go to college. And, and as someone who's, you know, um, you know, done, you know, schooling and higher education and, you know, um, you know, interviewed people of higher education and interviewed people of all types and sorts and backgrounds and just the way, you know, the way the world's kind of operating now. What's your take on that? And this goes out to, you know, all the high school kids that I work with and even the those that are about to enter college and, and whatever. I mean, and we all come, I mean, by we, I mean, I'm talking on behalf of my community here. We all come from that background of uh, Middle Eastern parents that, you know, kind of have the same mindset of you have to go to college. What's your take on that? The conventional track, let's say with college and work is you go to school, you do well, you stay out of trouble, you go, you know, you try to be a good Muslim, whatever, listen to your parents, you know, have some fun within balance, right? And then you pick a subject that you like, you go get a degree, and then you go get a job and work a nine to five until, you know, you figure something else out or you stay like that for 40 years and nothing happens, right? That's so that's the conventional track, right? Now, the issue is, is that now I worked the conventional track. I went to college and university and I got jobs at schools nine to five where I had bosses. I've also been an entrepreneur, mm-hmm. right, for the right. last nine years. And what I learned from that experience is school and education and any structure or system that nourishes an environment of growth and mm-hmm. intellect and participating with different walks of life in a safe place, mm-hmm. right? A stimulating, mm-hmm. safe, and, you know, a, f- a place that helps you grow. Of course, that's extremely important. Yeah. Right? You, that, I, I'm, I mean, education is, uh, that is not something we should ever ignore, period. Right. Of course. However, is going to a particular school or studying a particular degree necessarily the best way to educate you, right? That's going to be now case to case. Mm. Right. But I would say the general rule is that people should um, invest in themselves. And Mm. one of the best ways to do that is to have education because no one can take that from you once it's in you. Right. 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 Um, On the other hand, having a college degree doesn't mean you're necessarily going to be successful or happy or thriving. It doesn't even necessarily mean you're smart. Right. It just means you know how to get grades in a particular structure. And, right. you know, we've all been to school, man. There's a lot of loopholes. Yeah. Right. You know, you can memorize something the day before and you throw it up the next day. And by lunch, it's actually completely gone. So you yeah, learn. The second nothing. you walk out that door, it's completely gone. It's called, I call it uh, sticker studying. You just stick it on and then you throw it off and throw it away. And, you know, it loses its stickiness. It doesn't even stay. Right. Yeah. Because that's, you know, and that's fine. Cause sometimes we need to do that. It's all about just fast, short term memory. Mm-hmm. Other times we really internalize and we find mm-hmm. passion with knowledge. Mm-hmm. I think the bottom line is we need to have a thirst and joy for knowledge itself because knowledge what's fascinating is that it's connected um you know to this idea of um ecstasy mm. in arabic even right like um wujud mm. is to find to discover something or find something 
right? The yeah. countenance of something. It's like, oh, I didn't know that was there. Like we say, hey, man, I haven't seen your face in forever. Yeah, Where have yeah, you been? Like yeah. we use the word face. Yeah. Allah says it in the Quran. In Surah Al-Baqarah, if you look to the east and the west, you'll find Allah. The uh, face of God, the uh, countenance of God, the presence, whatever you want to call it. The point is, is if you're paying attention, you got vision and you're looking for it and putting in your part, you will see that. Mm-hmm. Right. So if knowledge is important to us, then that is, I think, the main principle. However, life itself is the best university. Right. 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 Because even a university is contained. There's a po- there's political politics. There's a you know a cultural and there, agenda. And there are flaws you know, in the systems, things. by the way. There of are course. flaws in the system, the academic system, right? Yeah, there's biases in what knowledge is taught and what isn't. You know, there's all kinds of things going on. I had a professor that was so bad, like like honest to God, so bad as a professor. She was knowledgeable in her subject, yeah. but as a professor, as a teacher, as an educator, she was so yeah. bad. And I'm not just saying that, right? You can look up her rate my professors. Every <sighs> single human being that took her class said, I, I don't know what she's doing here, right? Yeah, probably. Yeah, engine as well. So I, I went and I took it to kind of the dean of the department. I said, look, I said, I'm being, look, I'll, I'll get through her class. I'm probably going to pass with a C because I'm trying really hard, but I, but it's, I'm, I'm, I'm more concerned about like the other, the future kids that are going to come and take her class. Like, what is going on? Like, it's not just me. I'm, I'm being the voice of, of hundreds of people. And you know what they told me? Like, honest to God, you know what they told me? They said, look, you may be right, but there's nothing we can do about it. She's been here for a very long time. She's tenured and I'm sorry. That was the yep, answer. The policy. The policy there. She's tenured. She's been here forever. And, you know, there's, yeah, may, I mean, she's, he's like, I don't know what to tell you. And <laughs> there's nothing we can do. It's like, I'll, I'll, I'll note it down somewhere and put it on record somewhere, but there's nothing we can do. And that's when I learned 100%, you know, that even these universities and the, these systems uh, that we have to go through, they're not perfect. Look, they're flawed. I think that just like that example teaches us that not all, not all professors are actually good at teaching. Mm-hmm. Because just because you may be an expert in a subject doesn't mean you know how to relay it to another human being or teach exactly. it or demonstrate it or describe it in such a way that others will go, oh my God, you turned the lights on for me too. Yeah. That takes yeah. skill. Right. right. That's why being an educator is a skill altogether. It's not just, oh, I'm a master in this, but I don't know how to talk to people or explain things. Right. I'm, I'm more confusing than anything else. So just like that proof there that not all professors are good teachers and not all valuable knowledge and education comes from school. Right. Right. The most important knowledge and education we got came from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It didn't actually come from any university. It came from the creator. Here's what you got to know about what's real, what's right, what's healthy, what's unhealthy, and what's, you know, what your pursuit should be, right? That's like education, isn't it? Yeah. 101 about everything. So, you know, I think that there is, of course, conventional tracks of living and getting educated and working. And then as someone who did both, you know, like like the money thing, right? Mm -hmm. There's so many ways to make money in America. Right. You don't have to necessarily go to college and get a degree and then go get a job. Right. That is one way you can do it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the difference. You know, when you and you are speaking with your wife, maybe she's saying, no, they have to. And have to means there's no other option. Mm -hmm. Or at least currently, I don't see any other way for this to be a good thing or a bad thing. Right, right, right. Right. And that's where you got to have now a conversation about it. It's like, Mm -hmm. well, you know, doesn't mean we're going to tell our kids you don't have to go to college, but we'll encourage them and we will, you know, push them in that direction. But if it so happens 
that our kid is a computer, you know, filmmaker whiz, you know, who's making 100K a year at age 16 because he's producing all kinds of graphics and blah, blah, blah. Right, right. You know, then we actually have to revisit that conventional track and ask, is that really best for him? Because it might actually stunt his gift and power that is clearly manifesting right right right, now as it is. So we've got to take it case by case. But as a parent and as an educator, definitely I would say 80% of the time, we got to seriously consider college. Yeah. And there's, of course, um, people that don't even have that access or opportunities and they do fine or they do better than people that went right. to college and everything in between. Right, 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 right. right. Kareem, uh, 10 years ago, I had the pleasure of being your student in one of your classes or in a few of your classes. Today, I have the pleasure of being a guest on your podcast. And I know, f- so, you know, you've gone the traditional, like, work, you know, under uh, an administration or whatever, you know, at a school system. And then for the last nine years, you've been your own boss in a sense, right? You're an entrepreneur. Um, I wanted to ask what's next. What can we expect in the next nine years, right? I mean, I know you have Coffee with Karim. You have uh, Nur Human Consulting. Um, pretty sure you have a few other things, you know, on the back burner as well. But what's next? What can we expect? What's the next move? What can you kind of uh, hint at? What can you kind of give away? What can you tell us? about what's next, what to expect from Karim? Uh, well, first of all, um, I'm going to be... My motto these days is mm-hmm. God, family, service. I hear you. Family, uh, God, family, and work. Now, as far as God, you know, that's a long discussion, but I gave you a little snippet. Family, I'm a father now, alhamdulillah. I've got three kids, so that keeps me very busy. And, you know, my, of course, I have... Uh, my intention and plan for how to be, you know, take on that amena fully, right, right? right? Be the best dad and 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 husband and, and everything I can be. So that's that's a whole that's a two full time jobs right there. Yeah. Um, as far as professionally, I definitely um, I'm really enjoying doing the podcast. I I hope those of you listening get more supporters because you know I, I would like to do it more frequently. You know, maybe make a video channel of it. Mm-hmm. Um, you mm-hmm. know, take it kind of that next level. But I simply just don't have the hours of the day, man. I, I already sleep right. three to five hours a night. I don't know what else I need to do. I'm, I, I, alhamdulillah, I've can't say that I look on my days now and I feel like I wasted any time, right? Everything right. is something valuable or productive or I'm learning or I'm helping or I'm in service. Right. So I'm very happy about that place that I've gotten to and it's a great place to be. May Allah preserve it. So, Amen. you know, I want to, I want us definitely see the, the podcast grow. Um, right. audience wise, you know, service wise, etc. Uh, Noor is currently now at a point where, you know, Alhamdulillah, I have, you know, grown a very, you know, good clientele and I've built wonderful relationships. I've learned a lot from all the journeys, but now it's come to a point where I'm growing a team. And right, right now I got three other providers at the Noor team who specialize in different things. So I'm trying to build an online community of providers like myself who care about that, integration of living up to my islam and understanding human science psychology and my cultural context um i've been i revived my music playing recently so that's been great man i'm gonna start recording and producing music again all the music you hear in the podcast show is all stuff i i do myself i just fiddle around some of it is riffs here and there old tracks but right now you know alhamdulillah i've been getting a little bit more into that as a way of my own self-care and uh, i'm trying to work on a genre that I call New Age Nasheed. Mm. Something that has the same um, value, mm-hmm. but I'm going to be, you know, not so uh, like, it's just voice and tabla. Like I play mm. guitar, I play bass, I, you know, I can do keys. I might do some beats here and there. You know, I just want to let the music go wherever it's going to go. But right. the messages 
and the music itself will have dhikr. Right. And I did this a long time ago. Like I wrote some of these songs and I shared it with my nephews and nieces at the time. And they would call me and say, Khalu, I'm singing Ya Rahman, Ya Rahim, La ilaha Muhammad, like all day long from your song. Yeah, and I'm yeah, like, yeah. that's great. Because just like a pop song is wicked catchy and it stays stuck yeah, in your yeah, head yeah, all day. So usually yeah. stuff we don't want to say over and over yeah, again. Yeah. Now I'm like, well, why don't I do that? Write awesome jams that mom and dad and their kids can listen to in the car yeah. and all be like, this is cool. Rather yeah. than, oh, great, I'm rolling my eyes and I got to listen to this three-year-old Nasheed music again. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, again, it's like it's kind of something that maybe I'm trying to think everybody can enjoy together and everyone's going to grow. Yeah. And that part of remembrance together. So that's hey, a little bit about what I'm trying more, to do. More power days. to you, honestly. I mean, um, I know you're busy as it is, but hey, I... Uh, that nasheed stuff your own genre of uh, nasheed please i mean i empower you and i you know whatever it is that you you know need us to do as listeners and supporters to help you get to where you need to get with that stuff please jenny uh do it you're gonna drop maybe you can drop some lines for me if i'm like hey do you do you also do like spoken word over music or where do you stand with music these days where do i stand with music i i have a similar like um philosophy as you it's it's i i love rap music and hip-hop i grew up grew up on it but again you know, it, things get stuck in your mind um, or in your head that you find yourself repeating because it's catchy. But then you're just like, I mean, what am I saying? Right. When you really sit there and just digest the, the lyrics, you're like, why am I even saying that? Because it's catchy. Right. So I have a similar approach where it's like, why can't you have like, you know, dope hip hop music or dope rap music? But it's just like there's a, an element of thicket or an element of reminding people to do good or an element of, because I, you know, and that's, that's where I stand. That's where I stand. Yeah. Like the message and the, the message has to be good and clean. Exactly. Right? Like, like the element of hip hop is still there. You know, you have your beat and you have your drums and you have your, you know, your 808s and you have whatever, and you have your flow and your rhythm and your, you know, your lyrics, but it's just like, the words themselves are, are, are good, clean, empowering, you know, exactly. words. It's like, why can't right. we have that? And we don't have that. And there are some, you know, similar to what you said, there are some like Muslim rappers, but it's just like some of it's cheesy, you know, like I love Islam. Yeah, this and that. Like, I'm like, dude, like we, we need rap. We need real hip hop like music with that element of, um, of good of goodness. That's where I stand. That's where I stand. And once I have a little bit more time and, uh, I'm able to really focus and, and, you know, give the, the art and the craft it's due, you know, time I, I plan on really, you know, rapping and, and, you know, putting material material out there, um, that I can hear these kids, you know, uh, recite and replay and, and, and they don't even know it, but they're getting brainwashed in, in a sense. Right. And, and I've done that again, similarly with my, my little cousins, I've, I, not brainwashing Shafiq, it's mental cleansing. Mental cleansing, that's the right term. Thank you, thank you, <laughs> Kareem. Um, and, and I've done that actually, I've tested it. I mean, I've recorded a few things I share with my little cousins and stuff and they're reciting all this stuff and they don't know what it means, but it's just positive messaging, right? Exactly, exactly. Um, and I'm just like, yes, I'm like, it's working because they're jamming out to it and they like it and they think it's cool, right? Because their older cousin did it, right? But it's just like, they don't even understand what they're saying. Later in life, it's gonna hit them like, Oh, when, when, when Shafiq said, you know, you can catch me bowing down five times daily, that means he's referring to Salah. But exactly. they don't fathom that at age, you know, whatever, eight or nine. It just To them, it's just a, a phrase or a term. And then, you know, so that's literally my, my kind of no, where it, I man. stand on that. 
Yeah. And I mean, what you're saying is important. It's like, take, let's say, the genre like hip hop. Right. It's like, we, I want to preserve the structure and the art. Yeah. Like, just like if we want to, I want to have a cheeseburger, fundamentally, it's the same properties, but we're going to use halal meat. There you go. And, you know, the cheese we like and maybe, you, you know, go. a different type of bread, but it's still a cheeseburger. Anyone yeah. looks at it, it's like, yo, that's a cheeseburger, exactly. except it's halal. Exactly. Or it's healthier. Exactly. Or it has these ingredients. Exactly. Right? So that's how I'm approaching it. It sounds like you're similar. So one day, inshallah, maybe we'll be back on. Shafiq, thank you so much for, you know, your presence today. It was just such a trip and a lovely, lovely time. I was looking forward to connecting with you. And it's, uh, it's really been nice to talk with you and, and, and hear your questions. And inshallah. For sure. For sure. Most definitely. I mean, I, I appreciate you having me here. It's, you know, it's been delightful. It's been a pleasure. And really, I wanted to take um, just the, the final, you know, seconds here to, to really thank you for, for having this platform, for your listeners, for, for everyone, for yourself, even for your family, for your kids to, you know, look back on and listen to when they get older, because I think it's very, very important. And, um, you know, I admire everything that you do. And I'm not just saying that, you know, to, uh, you know, um, you know, toot your own horn or anything, but I really do admire all that you do and keep it up, keep it up. Um, and I'm looking forward to, you know, what's next and, uh, Barakallah Fiqh, honestly, we need more people in the community that think like you and not just think and, and, and say what they're thinking, but act upon what they're thinking as well. So, uh, yeah, may Allah reward you, brother. And it's been an absolute pleasure reconnecting with you a little more formally after about a decade of uh, being disconnected. Subhanallah, man. Let's let's not make it another decade before we speak. Inshallah, sounds again, like a plan. Okay? Inshallah. Thank you, Habibi. We'll do, we'll we will. Yes, we will. Thank Take care. Thank you so much. Assalamu alaikum wa